Hi, I'm Sung Ray. I'm something else. Here at Black Girl Soul, a podcast where we discuss the Asian dramas we love from a Black female perspective. We are looking to be entertained, to learn about other cultures, and share our passion for these shows. Welcome. Hello, everyone. This is Black Girl Soul. I'm something else with Song Ray. We're going to talk about Pachanko episode four, and we have a special guest. Hi, I'm Natasha. Welcome, Natasha. Okay. Song Ray, take it away. So, in episode four, we're getting into Kohan Su and Isik meeting and their dealings and what they're finding out about one another. We also learn about uh, Sanja's mom going to the marketplace and her uh, delving delving into what she needs to do because she's trying to prepare her daughter before she leaves to head from Korea to Japan. Um, We're learning about Solomon and he is riding on cloud nine with his success of getting this deal and they just have to do this formality and get a formal signature and things of that nature. So He's coming in with a lot of stuff there. Um, we also have Sonja and Hansu's final meeting before she leaves to head to Japan. Parallels between Sonja and Solomon as they are dealing with their in pangs, like there's just different pangs going on. And we also get a view of a singer and how that plays into all of the tied in threads and themes that I believe that they're sharing with us during this uh, scene. Sonja actually lands in Japan and we get to see, you know, the beginnings of what that's like, her new life there and her return to visit. So that's episode four in a nutshell. Thank you for that. So I guess we're going to swell the heck out of things by going into the things that we noticed in our highlights. Which of you would like to start? I'm not going to fully start and get into it. I'm going to let you guys get into it first, but I just want to say I did not like this episode at all. This was this, wow. this was like I I don't want to say hate, but I really did not like this episode. I felt like it was super melodramatic. Over the, like everything was melodramatic. I I did not like it at all. All right. That's interesting from resident reader. Um I think for myself the opening scene where we have Isak and Kohansu meeting coincidentally at that tailor and their exchange of words I found that to be like very interesting cuz in that we learn that Isak and Sonja uh, are in fact getting married that Kohansu is still lingering with feelings for Sonja but he he has but his plans to have her live as a dignified citizen he never figured that part out and never in his head, I guess, in his mind, what he thought was going to work wasn't really what was fair to her. And so them talking and dealing with all of that was kind of interesting to me, kind of interesting. What did you guys take about that meeting? Oh my gosh. I love that meeting. That meeting was so layered and so crazy. This is one of the times though, where the actor Eamon Ho playing Kansu, I didn't like completely how his face looked. I didn't think he was emoting enough. He was okay, but he wasn't... Sometimes his face just looked dead. Like, you weren't getting what was really going on with him. My favorite line from that scene alone was um, when Isak says, there's no need to be concerned. I can pay for the suit myself. And it's like low-key telling him, I got this, I got her. 
everything will be fine. But then you see where Isak, you know, you're thinking he, he's this like honorable, quiet missionary. He went straight gangster. He straight verbally pimp slapped Kohan Su. So he completely came for him because remember when he's walking out the door, he tells him, you know what? Yeah, get me a new suit because I'm about to get married. And yeah, let this suit out because one day my son might wear it. Oh, oh, bombs drop, mic drop. And then he leaves because his son is going to be Kohan Su's, like that that's the son who's going to wear the suit. Like letting him know, I've taken your kid. I took your woman and I took your kid too. Like, damn, son. Why you have to slap him around like that? And I see, and that's it. that's where the melodrama begins. And that's where I was just like, ugh. They're going <laughs> too much, too much sauce. <laughs> too much sauce. Uh, I I mean I I think and this is not the part that bothers me. The whole the whole episode, I think, is completely show. None of I can't remember any of that stuff in the book. None of it. None of the episode is in the book. But that's not the part that bothers me. The part that I didn't like was just the melodrama. And you could see it. They really took it there with all those lines. And not just with that meeting, but, you know, with... And we could continue to talk about Isak uh, uh, and... Um, and Kohansu's meeting, but you know, even with uh, when when Sunja's in the market and Kohansu gets a guard to come get her, drama, and then the the I mean, just everything, just too much drama. The singer and on the ship, drama. The ship, her and Isak on the ship, extra drama. The whole sh- the whole episode was just too over the top for me. I felt like they were doing they were doing too much, and it was just it was kind of annoying. So I, I didn't like I didn't like it. And you know based on what I've said in other about other episodes, I don't like the way Kohansu's being portrayed um, in the story. I mean, it just really look, makes him look like a jerk the way he um, confronted Isak and was kind of like throwing his weight around. I just, I didn't like it. It put a bad taste in my mouth. I feel like, yes, uh, in this episode, that, that meeting was very significant in that Yes, Isak, let it be known. Here's what's going on. Here's who I am. And if you didn't know, now you know. For Kohan too, I also know who you are. You not, I ain't confused by you. Um, but I also think that instead of Kohan Su playing it cool and being, I guess, the character I expected him to be, he came across as petty and like basic, like, dude, really? You gonna try and buy the man a suit? Like, stop. You you go, you know, throw out your little comments about stuff, like just hush, let it go. But I don't know. I I that part for me, I was kind of a little bit unhappy about. Like, I didn't expect that from that character. I expected him, if he was gonna do the the whole thing with him and uh Sunja in the market, that I could expect. But you coming at him, like, mm, you should have just let that go. Like, I don't know. I felt like you should have just let that go. However, I'm going to also say all of this drama that you're talking about, Natasha, that's what makes the K-dramas like right. what we look for. That is what we look for. Right. <laughs> it was the drama. Love. I was in love. I was so happy. I was like, woo, over the top. All we needed was the mama to slap somebody. It was lovely. Uh, <laughs> but um, on a very, very surface, if we were not really delving into Kohansu is a character, and we didn't have Natasha, our resident reader, to discuss this. They are really just painting Kohansu as a petty kind of f boy. Like 
they really are. The way he came for her when he found out that she was pregnant, the way that he expects her to just roll over and just be like, you know, the eternal side chick and have like his kids. I don't expect him to be happy about the fact that he's losing her. But dude, you know what's up and you're not offering different. I think that his behavior in this episode was just more along the same vein of making him the bad guy. Yeah, I, I feel I feel like the show, like you said, it's drama. People are looking for that to be entertained and I get it. Um, and maybe I'd feel differently if I didn't read the book. Maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't. I'm not quite sure. But I feel like maybe they wanted a bad guy besides Japan in the show because I, it's, it's like in, in the show, it's like Kohansu is being portrayed as a villain, basically. And maybe Tom is kind of looked at as a villain and the Japanese are the villain. But in the book, it wasn't that simple. You know, it just, it feels like, it feels like the show is kind of, I'm not sure I can articulate it, but it's not watering things down because it's basically trying to make things more concentrated, the drama more concentrated, but it's making the, the character less complicated. I feel like they're making Kohansu a less complicated character. And I feel like he's more, he has more layers than what we're seeing on the show. It's like, they're trying to, they're, they're trying I'm to not sure. Him. They're trying to distill him down. The problem is that they could give us a little bit more complexity like, they don't need to make him a villain. They don't. I mean, his behavior alone is villainous. They don't have to, like, really hammer it home. They're being heavy-handed with it. And maybe they have to do that because if they'd shown her to be conflicted, like she was considering what he was saying, considering that she would just be with him, that would be different. But she was never considering that, at least in the show, that she would just be his side chick, right? So they have to almost like show him as the quote unquote bad guy in order to, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I know why they're doing it because I'm used to watching television and that's what they do. It's what they do. So what's the thing we all noticed? For me was the wedding. I wanted to talk about Sunjin Isak's wedding and I was confused. Now, given uh, the actual contents of the wedding fine understood that even understood the priest and why he was being heavy-handed and what he was doing fine great i understood that part what i didn't understand was what in the heck was happening at the window were those protesters who were out there at the window or were those kids playing by the window and it just they kept showing it like what was going on with the window i don't know i didn't get that either yeah me too i was curious i was like what because when because so, the window bumps and the mom kind of gets distracted and looks over there and I don't know I don't know it could be that that's the direction that Korea is going like maybe it's starting to maybe it was a protest and starting things are starting to become more volatile in Korea and it's good that Sunjaw's leaving maybe that's what they were trying to show us I was confused too so I was trying to I guess for me because honestly I got plenty of speculations in the book is that even addressed they don't address any of that during no, the wedding. they don't. Um, but okay. the future of Korea is addressed, but at a future time. Okay. At a future time, and maybe the sh- maybe the show is just trying to prepare us for that in a different way 
So I, I'm not sure yet um, if it's that, the same, if they're trying to portray the same thing as the book did. Because that makes sense now. But the other thing I was also wondering was, were people like upset about the fact that this woman is getting married to a man who we know is not her the baby's father? Because he's a, you know, the neighborhoods are small. People are nosy. She's got a boarding house, so people talk. So I'm like, okay, were the people realizing that she's marrying a man who's not the child's father, and were they having something to say, like they're condemning the wedding? Like I, I had all no. kinds of, I could not figure out what the heck was going on. No, in the book, there was the people didn't even know that Sunja was pregnant. Only her mom knew that she was pregnant, and Isak okay. because he heard the conversation. So. When she married Isak, she wasn't showing. No one knew she was pregnant. Maybe the person who married them knew because they told him, but I don't remember that. So there was there was no backlash against her marrying someone as a pregnant woman to a man who wasn't the father of the baby. Okay. Because I, I just couldn't figure it out. It was just weird. And I kept saying they showed the window more than once. So just trying to figure out what was up with that. Yeah, I think there was some kind of symbolism that completely went over my head because I noticed it also. And I was just like, okay, is it supposed to speak to the the actual characters in the scene that they're in? Because I didn't even understand why they had the scene like that. Like, uh, uh, Me too. An, an unhappy um, priest is not a big deal. He was still going to marry him. Like, I was like, come on. I mean, it wasn't even a question. So I was like, why? You just want to show that, like, she's considered using him quote unquote using him i was like we don't even need this scene i think i think maybe maybe i mean and this is just coming as we're talking through this and the things that um sung ray brought up it could just be to show the coming unrest in korea because once sunja gets to uh japan she's worried about what's going on with her mom she's like i don't know if my mom's safe you know and what's going on back in korea so it could be that they're just showing that things are going to get more violent and it's going to weigh on her mind when she's not close by anymore. I think that works for me because I think that makes a little bit more sense than where my mind had gone. Cause like I said, I was thinking it was concerning the wedding, but it could very well be protests were beginning to sprout up amongst the Koreans and you know, that it was just a turbulent time. Right. Yeah. Cause it does, it does come up in the book when she, that she's worried about what's going on back home with her, with her, with those two girls that she's friends with, Doki and I can't remember their names, um, and her mom. And she's like, like, I'm wondering how things are going with them. Well, if there's nothing to add about that scene, I'm gonna move on to the scene that was like really interesting to me, which was Kohan Su getting all up in Sunja's face trying to talk trash because she found a better option than him and his sad sorry excuse of a um a lifestyle that he was trying to sell to her the thing that stood out to me i even did a screenshot of it because it was just super interesting was like when she goes into his office like he calls her into the office using one of his underlings and then they're alone together and she's like, you know, we can't be alone together because people are going to talk. So he, you know, in the most F-boy petty way goes and pushes the door open. But then maybe you all remember inside the office when they're talking to each other, their faces are red. But the world behind her is blue. It's like everything is blue. When you look outside, it's blue. 
but everything inside is red. So then I was like, okay, am I going to have to go back and watch this whole episode again to look at the colors? Because the colors were a symbol, not just there, but in another scene that we'll talk about later, but the color, and and then I had to go look up what red and blue mean in Korea um, to kind of understand. And so red symbolized communism once upon a time and it also symbolizes passion um passion and uh passionate in um energy in life and then it also signifies social impropriety so that's red so i could see how you know they were they had a passionate relationship i mean it was very intense in that scene right and then but the their relationship is improper at, at this point. And what he was offering her is improper. Um, so That's... that stood out. And then the blue was, they say it signifies feminine energy, evoking freedom, calmness, stability, and the heavens. Now I don't know exactly how that fits, but- The last part, repeat that. So heaviness, was that the word you used? Oh, heavens and the heavens. But it was very interesting that they clearly are doing some kind of color coding thing in that episode. That's a really interesting observation. I didn't notice that at all. I I want to look back at it now, but I dislike I, I the episode so much that I'm like, can I sit through that episode again? But I'm going to watch the episode again and notice what you guys noticed. Yeah, I'm going to say I did notice the coloring. I didn't pay attention to it that heavily. But now that you've said it, like, yes, that is perfect because... In the office, you are dealing with a passionate conversation, an improper conversation, which is why he even opened the door in the first place, because she's saying us being in here together like this is improper. So it was an improper conversation happening, a you know, situation. So the red in there makes sense. And then outside, that's why I was asking what that last word was, because yes, outside and escaping from this space is dealing with me being released free. And that's a different space, a different world I don't have to deal with this kind of whatever for her so I don't know I like that I like that because again I feel like again this director is getting some thumbs up for me because there are a lot of places where there is symbolism poetic things uh themes happening like I like how they're doing this and it's not all just in your face I'm gonna watch the episode again and and pay more attention usually I I don't know sometimes I do notice them and sometimes I don't maybe I was just so upset I was so upset by what was happening. I just didn't, I was just like shutting down or something. I think the other thing for me during this scene that I wanted to talk about, because I did take notes, was that um, in this final meeting that they're having, I find that Hansu is bent on making Sonja feel bad about not following his plans and that he's intimidating and he's far from desirable. His plans sounded like torture more so than it sounds like a way for us to be happily ever after. It sounds torturous for you to try to insinuate, I should live here, have your family, have your kids, and you not marry me for the sake of having a house and some money. Like, no, dude, try again. This is not what I want to do with my life. Yeah, I, you know, and I, I dislike the fact that Hansu is being, is, is, is such a jerk in this, in the show. But I did like the fact that in this scene, Sunja is stronger than she was when they were outside. Yeah. Um, when when he when she first revealed that she was pregnant and she kind of like shriveled up when he d- rejected her, 
I felt like if this was, I was happier in this scene that she was stronger and she kind of stood up for herself and was just like, you know, I kind of have the power in this situation. I'm doing what I need to do for me and my baby. She said, it's mine. Um, I appreciate that part of it. Yeah, I agree. Totally. I agree. Totally. So any other scenes? I'm going through my yes. notes trying to see so this is, this is what the, else I saw. This is the one, um, this is the episode where they're at the state, they're a ferry station or about to get on the boat and the singer, and I didn't get the significance Before of that. I mean, the singer was really singer, kind. Can we go back to the mom? Because I mentioned it earlier, but we like delve into it. With the rice? Mind. Yes. Yeah, yeah, ah. okay. Okay, so for me, I found that this scene was where the mom is at the marketplace because it gave me some history and background that I didn't have and didn't understand. Um, that she's at the marketplace and she just walks up and she's saying, I want to buy some rice. And he was like, oh, you know, I can't sell you rice. And I was a little confused, like, what? So all of that led into, I want to say, I think when the mom, the grandma, when Sunja and the other Helene who owned the land were talking and they talked about the significance of rice then too. It was again, just these parallels, but how they couldn't sell rice to the Koreans. It's their rice, Korean rice, but they have to save it for the Japanese customers. And so I could give you millet. I could give you barley. I could give you other stuff, but I can't give you the rice because that's for the Japanese. Like that was mind blowing to me. And the fact that it's their rice grown in their country, in their land, but they can't have it. And for her to have to do the begging that she had to do in order to get it, just so that her child could have this taste of home before leaving the country and not knowing when she would return. Like, I, that, you know, a mother's love, that was that was a deep scene for me. Right. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's, you know, you think of rice as this quintessential thing that, like, almost like if there was one thing they could be able to eat, you think it would be rice, but no, it's to be denied that. And then the scene to me was like, it was the mom trying to give her the perfect wedding and send off. Like, this is a quality of family. This is who we are. I'm pulling out all the stops. I'm cooking my best food for you. And that includes rice. Like when you leave your husband sees that you come from something you know the fact that they have the room to themselves that's their wedding night and this table with all these sides you know it was almost romantic and the mom made it happen and that's why the minute she pulls up the top and Sunja sees the rice she knows like oh wow my mom did the most because and then when she's eating it she's crying because she realizes this is what I'm leaving I'm leaving this love and I'm going to something else. Like, I think she didn't really get it, get it. She got, she knew her mom was doing the most for her, but she didn't get it until the, the next day when she's going to be leaving. And this is the last time she might see all of this for a while. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you know, for all the faults I found with the episode, I felt like this was a very touching scene or situation where her mom is fighting, you know, to give her daughter all that she can give her and cook this rice, something as simple as rice, meaning so much. I, I, um, I, I was, I was touched by that. I found it beautiful. I was really, I really appreciated that even though it's something totally different from what was in the book, it's not even the book at all. I appreciated it. And, um, and I felt like that love and it made it seem even more painful 
that Sunja is making this decision to leave. And um, yeah, it's just, it's kind of heartbreaking, but beautiful at the same time. The other scene that kind of took me was when Solomon is entering to head to this meeting. So we know he's got the deal. They're doing this formality and he comes in and he's extremely cocky. He comes across as cocky to me prior to this meeting and he's very smug and presumptuous and he's missing key information prior to opening his mouth and he's talking to, I can't think of what her name is. What's the chick he works with that's next door to him? The Japanese lady, I forget her name. Yeah, I can't think of her name right now. It's not Hannah, because that's the girl he's wanting to talk to. But anyway, the, the co-worker, he's talking to her, and it's like he's very smug and cocky, and he's saying these things, and then she has to like kind of check him in so many words. And I was just like, uh, Solomon, you got to learn how to, I don't know, just kind of lean back a little bit, sir. You're doing too much. You're coming in. And then for the results to turn out how they turned out, I was just like, oh, see, that's why you sometimes you just lay low. You came in a little too too rough and too much and yeah it didn't work in your favor sir i loved loved that scene and i think i love that scene because it gave so much information in a weird kind of way like you're seeing her and you know that she doesn't like him and when he confronts her you get to see like there is way more to the hustle in the game that he does not even know because he's gone off to america and he has had to look at the layers of things he's you know I could see in a very simplistic way because that's what I thought initially. It was like, oh, okay, they just don't trust you, dude. Like, because you're Korean and you've been working in America. And she's like having to explain to him, like, do you know what kind of company we're in? Like, we're not top tier. They may be top tier in America, but they're not considered top tier here. And I, I chose to be here for a reason because I can stand out here as a female. I mean, mind you, it's the 80s, right? So over in America, of course, women, you know, it's well past, you know, the 70s and women's movement. But at the same time, women are really working hard to define themselves and define their new role, new roles in society where they're like standing right next to men making money. And so it might have been more so in Japan. And so she's standing there going, I picked a low tier company because I knew I would stand out more and I'd have more of an opportunity than if I tried to go to a top tier company because I did well enough to go to a top tier company. And Solomon knows none of this. He has not a clue. He's so busy, high off the success. And I think they built that up on purpose so that when he fell, it was a nice, good crash. I think that's why they did it. Because <laughs> it was a crash. It was a crash that we didn't even see it coming, but like, and we can get into that scene because it was super fresh. But the minute she started reading the contract, I was like, this chick ain't going to sign. She ain't going to sign. Because I, at first I thought the deal would go through, but then they would play Solomon. Like they would give the credit to Tom. Like I was expecting, I was expecting Solomon to be played in this scenario. I just didn't know he was going to be played like this. I thought he was going to be played on the back end after he did the deal. Like they would renege somehow. But the way it went down, wow. What do y'all think? <sighs> yeah, I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling 
to me, drama, more too much drama, too much sauce, over the top. Like, I just I didn't like it. I mean, I guess from a show from a show standpoint, great. That's not the kind of thing that I usually like because it doesn't feel realistic to me. For her to 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 sit at the table and have this long talk and all the Japanese people are getting impatient, annoyed, it was and Tom getting nervous. Like, What's going on? Too much for me. I didn't like it. I was just like, if she wasn't going to sign, she should have said that from the beginning instead of dragging everybody out there. Um, the girl giving her speech to to um, Solomon about this top tier company, I felt like it was some, some kind of, I don't know, commentary that was unnecessary. Wasn't feeling it. Too much drama for me. For me, I drew parallels. So I was, I told you I was in a symbolic mood here. I was feeling all that. So I, so I took the parallels between Solomon losing this deal and Sunja leaving Korea as she's heading to Japan. And I think it was beautifully laid out. We see him sitting and smiling as they almost play upon the grandmother's intelligence while Sunja's mom is giving her the birds and the bees talk about how she is now a married woman. We see Sunja crying as she's leaving her mother's grasp to Solomon's, realize, to Solomon realizing that he has forced this deal upon his grandmother without fully understanding her or her situation. And then the juxtaposition of the singer on top of it, you feel the pain of the time period because I feel like that's what the singer did for me. You feel the pain of the time period and what's going on just in that little scene of her sitting there, that man touching her and she's having to accept it, the women behind her gasping and looking crazy. Um, Then she gets up when the guy comes to let her know now it's your time to sing, her getting up and singing what they expected her to sing and then her shifting into singing a I'm assuming a Korean traditional song of sorts. Um, all of that to me was just like a wow. It gave a weight to the situation and where we are. And all of those things were still sort of happening in smaller bits, but in the late 80s. Solomon's freedom, while the guys are busking and he's dancing around in the rain, to Sunja being welcomed home by the water when she gets to uh, Korea. Like all of that to me, I just saw the parallels in the how they were giving us a bunch of different things all at once. That's how I perceived it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I mean, let me go back a bit because, yeah, there's, there was just so much. This just a lot. So it's interesting to me because you see, like, on the ship that Isak and Sunja are, like, trying to find their way, right? They're hustled and bustled by all these people and, and clearly you know, the Koreans are at the bottom of the ship and she's uncomfortable. And then you see the woman that um, Sunja had met before. And before the woman looks self-assured and in control and gorgeous. And, and so you go, oh, okay. So the Korean woman is making her way also. And then you realize, no, like for all her talent, because she is this great opera singer, she exists at the whim of some Japanese bigwig who just openly shows that she is his concubine. And she must have been like two through and done when she got up on stage because she was prepared to go to the end. And she's singing this song and like riling up the Koreans at the bottom. And so that kind of heaviness of kind of like you cannot ignore your Korean heritage. You cannot ignore our fight. You cannot ignore our struggle. That's why when Solomon has been 
sitting at the table grinning like a dumb fool, like just like the ultimate dummy. And then the woman, I, I get why the woman showed up. I mean, it's over the top and it's te- definitely television. So yeah, Natasha, like it is what it is. But she came to the table because she remembers all of that. She remembers that history. And she's like, I don't want to just call you and tell you F you. I want to come to the table and tell you F you. And I want to do this young whippersnapper. I'm use that word whippersnapper a favor. I'm going to put his culture <laughs> to the test. So she looks at him and she's like, would you have your grandmother sign this deal? And that's when he remembers everything. Cause honestly, until that moment, Solomon was all the way a sellout. Solomon was a sellout with a grin. He was ready. He was selling completely out. And at that very moment when he's like, no, even I was surprised. I was like, oh, Solomon, you know, you did you grow some Korean balls? Like, what's going on? I mean, the fact that he knew, I don't think he even fully understood what he was giving up. You know, I think he just viscerally answered the question from his cold and complete spirit. And then when he's sitting there shell-shocked, if you look in the glass that was in front of her, you can see blues. Like the blues, it, they did that on purpose because you see him and there's a You're glass. You're talking about the color blue? The color blue. You see the jar of water and you see her glass and you can see the color blue reflected in there very purposefully. And so that's when I think, okay, this is maybe signifying, like the blue is definitely signifying Korea and it's definitely maybe signifying freedom because that's when he gets up, tears off his tie, runs out there and it's raining. And then, like you said, at the same time, Sunja is in Korea and it's raining and they're both getting washed. They're getting all the... I don't know, filth washed from them. Now they are, they are being awash with freedom suddenly. And it is not surprising that like, and it's kind of crazy, but he starts dancing, right? I don't know if the singer was singing in Korean. I can't remember if the singer was doing a Korean song or a Japanese song. I would have assumed it's a Japanese song, but I can't remember. But for him to start dancing, like that is his response to basically blowing up his situation. Like dude doesn't have a job. I mean, he might show up. I don't know why he would because he does not have a job at all there, but he doesn't care because suddenly maybe he's feeling the freedom and like no more weight of like trying to be something that he's not. He, he made a choice. Anyway, what do y'all think? Yeah, I mean, I think I, f- I feel like all your observations are good observations. I just I feel I can't get past what I think is emotional manipulation of the episode. Um, and it's hard. It's really difficult for me to say what the positives are because I dislike the episode so much. And I think it's because of all the melodrama. And it was just, it was, it was so concentrated. It was all in one episode. The singer and Solomon and Isak and it was just too much. I felt like it was way too much in one episode. And some of it, I don't know. Um, I feel like they were trying to draw some 
cultural and historic significance in the episode, but I felt like we were being steered to feel a certain way. And I just, I don't like that type of emotional manipulation. So I don't know. I don't mind it as long as I can see it. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's television to me. That's like media in general. Like they're not crafting the story just to present it. They're not reporters. Like, so I, I appreciate that you're with us and you're talking about it and you're bringing it up because I think I would have felt it, but I wouldn't have thought to say it. I would have just been like, oh, okay. Some, some parts were over the top. Like that's how I would have said it. But I like that you're pointing out that like the melodrama was just like, not even at 10, it was like at 15 or, you know, 20. Cause who's sitting there for that long, listening to some old lady go off on her son and talk like that. No one. Because even at the end, did you see where the guy was like, this wasn't even necessary. She had already agreed. This was just like a symbolic meeting. What are you talking about? Like, he's, <laughs> he's shocked. Anyway. And I think for me, that part right there, that part right there is what I would take away as Natasha is saying it's over the top dramatic because it was a formality. And so if the formality was just to get her to sign I, I was I was a little lost. Like that that could have all happened without us even having this formality. Y'all could have gave her that in the mail. She could have mailed it back, and we we done talking. But you all had this formality meeting, and I think that's again me going back to my symbolism. That's the whole problem. You wanted to have this formality to show, oh look at what we've done, and it blew up in everybody's face, Solomon's included. Yeah, I was looking at the woman's. Um kids too and trying to draw some significance from them it's almost like they were they were more solomons at the table because right. they they were just like all right mom this is gonna be great for our future you're gonna get all this money and it's gonna have a set like just just sell it and um you know and I, and I and i feel like the commentary there was this disconnect that these second first and second generation koreans in japan you know, they just don't have that connection to the history, to the significance of, you know, when, when the, when their mom was saying, you know, they, I had to live here and they didn't want me here because they thought we were loud and we were dirty. And so it, it was all about throwing out that history that they have forgotten. Um, and, and I get, and, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be sour about it all. Like I get all of that. I just, I just don't like the way it was presented. So, but but there were there were some significant I felt like some sort of significant commentary in this episode. Um, it was just it was just way too heavy handed for me. And I don't know, like maybe you know when you're being emotionally manipulated. But I have a I don't know that everybody knows, and I have a problem with the way that shapes people's perceptions in society and 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 how and like I don't know and how that can drive people to do certain things. Right. Or feel certain things, you know, I mean, when we watch this, what is the show trying to, you know, other than like some kind of historical reference, right? I mean, th this is not a documentary. This is fiction. This is, you know, this is a drama. And so I don't completely look to it to like give me every bit of history that, you know, we know we would need to go read up on, right? Um I no, no, and it should. I don't. I know that part, and I know right. it's not a documentary. What, what I'm saying is, it's 
when I think about the book, it wasn't like, it wasn't black and white. Koreans are the victims, Japanese are the perpetrators. It wasn't like that. It was a more complicated thing. And in the show, I think Kohansu said it in the second episode or the first episode, he's just like, there are rotten people everywhere. It's not, it's not a black and white thing where it's just like good and good and evil. But I feel like a lot of times when we watch TV shows, not just this one, but other shows and even documentaries and even the news, you are delivered information in a way where you are emotionally uh, manipulated. manipulated, where you're just like, oh yes, these are the bad guys. These are the good guys. And you don't even really think about the different complicated nuances and layers to a situation. And I felt like that's what this show was doing in this episode. Um, because I, yes, the show is a show. It's not a book, but I felt like the book dealt with it in a more layered way. And so I just, I wasn't, I, I just didn't appreciate the extra drama. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, and I agree with you there. I mean, we're all totally on the same page with that. I mean, if this show were more of like a 16 episoder, I would be, less forgiving um but like I don't know I think to some degree it's just like you know it's going to be condensed you know some of that's going to happen and so that's one of the reasons it's great that you're joining us because you don't want to believe that the book was just as simple like as the television show right you want to believe that there's much more to it I understood that while the meeting was a formality, I also know that they have lots of meetings like that, right? Like in business to, to kind of put on that show um, because of how much money, like they were giving her billions. So I- Regardless, nah, regardless, because I am one of those people in real life who get pissed off when I'm sitting in a meeting and it's for fucking formality. I get pissed off when you're wasting my time for something that's not, eh, if it ain't really important or if it's something we don't have to be doing while we sitting here. Don't, don't yeah, waste But it time. was important. But that's the thing. It wasn't nah, important. It was important to that company. It wasn't as though this was a necessary needed to happen. So No, it, I mean, but that's what I'm saying. But it that's could, what I'm saying. It could have been, been a meeting with Solomon, the, mo- the mom, and maybe Tom, like it didn't need nah, all the nah. executives, all the kids. No, no, it had to be, it had to be the way it was because if you have any kind of, think about what we, not even on television, like, you know, a, a fiction, but like when, like there are lots of times when you make big deals and the formality is that people come in and sit at the table and they make the deal and they shake hands and someone takes a picture. Like, maybe because it's the eighties, maybe because it was the eighties, are... but. Yeah, I'm still saying I think those are unnecessary. I, I am telling you, I a thousand percent agree with you something else. Yes, that still happens in real life. I work at a place where we have these kind of meetings on the regular. But I am also saying to you, those annoy the fuck, the fuck out of me. Right, Excuse yeah, me. No, no one likes me. it. Like, there's no, no point in us having this unnecessary waste of time. Well, no, I mean... I have, I have a question for you guys. Sure. This, is a, this, is, this has to do with the, um, the scene of the, the mom at the table. And I'm just thinking this just now. Do you think that she made the decision not to sign at the oh, yeah. meeting? Oh, yeah. No, I, I low-key feel like she may have been leaning towards doing it. But when she started looking at the contract and mm-hmm. then the, the son is like, Mom, you already know what's in it. And she says to her son, you didn't even take the time to look at it, to know what it's saying. 
Like, I feel that as she looked at all those Japanese men in there, that's when she kind of low-key made her decision. I think maybe she wasn't because she was never completely for it. She was never completely for it. I agree totally. The formality is what fucked them up. Yeah, she might might have signed it. It was just like, if it was just her and Solomon in an office, maybe she would have gone ahead and signed it. But I think all that other stuff, yeah, messed it up. She was thinking some other, like, I'm going to prove a point here. This is not, I don't feel right in my gut anymore. Because let's do a flip. I'm not saying that this is a good flip, but let's say that somehow, you know, your family had a large farm, a large plot of land. And when your family got that land, it was considered trash land or something. Maybe it's in Texas somewhere. And come to find out as time has gone on, oil, the whole nine yards, the family had to go through the most, like a la Queen's Sugar, right? Where the family had to do the most to hold on to the land. They had to face the clan. They had to face all this stuff, people coming after them. And then this organization that has been tied to racism and the clan and everything else, and this is me over-exaggerating, over-exaggerating, comes and says, we're going to give you billions of dollars for this land, this plot of land that you all have done everything to hold on to for easily one, if not two generations. And then you sit at the table and you recognize that some of those people wouldn't spit to put you out if you were on fire. Would you really want to sell to those people? Hell no. But no, well, see, but, that, but that's, that's, but okay. I don't know. Because the thing is, why do you hold on to the land? You hold on to the land. I, I would hold on to the land for wealth, for, 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 for wealth for my family. And don't you get the wealth from selling the land? If you don't sell the land because of that history, it's out of spite. It's not because you have some future plan for your land. Well, see, I think that's the weird thing about her being in a country like, because I see what you're saying. I'm not saying out of spite, maybe it was who she was selling to up to a point. You know, like if a Korean company had come along and said, we want to buy the land from you, I have a feeling she would have sold that land without like a big fight. Like, I think it was that they were Japanese, but then I'm like, ma'am, you live in Japan. So if you really are feeling some kind of way, take your dough and go back to your country. Because it was the 80s. It wasn't like just five or 10 years later. Like, I don't know. I don't know. What y'all think? Yeah, I, I mean, sell- that's what I-, I ain't selling nothing. You just, we, in spite whatever you want to call it, I ain't selling nothing. It is what it is. And no, not to those people. Now, as you stated, if a Korean company came by, or even if it were a Japanese company with a different mindset, I would be in another space. But that set and that group, nope, sorry, not selling. Y'all good. So then I wonder what happens, like, once she's gone, it's like, well, whatever you do when I'm gone, it's whatever. The kids are going to sell it. No, I know, but I mean, like, what does the the, the mom who's holding up off, what does she say? Like, does she say, I'm going to put something in writing, or is she going to be like, whatever, you guys can sell it when you want to sell it when I'm gone, but I'm not selling it while I'm here. It's just, like, I'm trying to figure out, like, what's the ultimate goal there? Well, you know what? You know what it was? The ultimate goal was that the money did not matter to her. That her Korean heritage and her history of having to go through the most in Japan 
and all that discrimination matter to her. Because if it were really about the kids, the kids gonna get their money anyway. Like one way, either way you look at it, the kids are gonna get paid. The unfortunate thing is she was not going to enjoy that wealth, but she didn't care about the wealth to enjoy it. Like it would have been ill-gotten maybe for her because when she passes, like clearly her son, if not the rest of the kids, what are they gonna do, sell it? If she had sell, sold it right then and there, she'd have given the money, the majority of the money would have gone to them anyway. Her kids are, were always gonna be good. So I think, you know, she made the right decision for her because she didn't want, she didn't want to betray her Korean heritage. Okay, she made the right decision for her. I just, I, I just feel like maybe she's not thinking straight because she's, she was just talking about how she hadn't been back to Korea and wanted to go back to Korea. She could go back to Korea and leave Japan. Why wouldn't she just do that? Maybe she will. She didn't need billions to do that. She did. She really didn't need billions to do that. She got a whole family that could scratch up some money for a plane ticket. Like, yeah. So why didn't she do that? Why didn't she do that? She's like jonesing for Korea, and and her Korean heritage. Why hasn't she gone back to Korea? Well, I don't know. Maybe the same reason why there are black people who talk all kinds of stuff and they don't buy plane tickets to go back to Africa. Yeah, I don't know. I asked that same question. Why not? I don't know. I mean, especially them, because they theirs wasn't like multiple generations of this. It was a surprise to me until Sunja was at the airport. I was like, "You mean to tell me you ain't never gone home?" <laughs> like, no, that was shocking. <laughs> I mean, given Korea was going through some stuff too, um, but afterwards, through- afterwards, she had whole two. She had a whole son, a whole like. She had two kids and then some a grandkid nowhere in there. When when Solomon was two, she didn't think, mm, let me get on a plane. Like, come on. Yeah, I think there I, I don't know. I mean, I think the situation in Korea might not have been so great. Like there was conflict going on in Korea where maybe it was just safer to stay in Japan. I don't know what the situation was in Korea in the eighties to know what was holding them back from visiting Korea. I don't know. Maybe it's a mindset and that's something to talk about. A mindset of like yes. when you when you're living your life and you get comfortable and you're just getting by, you know, like you're raising your kids and you're going to work and you're doing what you can to survive and you don't think about these things until something jars you. Until like someone is rude to you or racist to you or sexist to you, then you kind of are pulled back out of your circumstance enough to look at the bigger picture. I mean, I think that's what happened with Sunja. Let me ask this question. What exactly was the catalyst for Sunja going back to Korea other than meeting that lady and talking to Solomon? Was it the death of her sister-in-law? No. Well, unless in the book it's different, but in this drama, it truly was talking to that lady and uh, Solomon that made her go, you know what? She would have preferred to be here and not here in uh, Japan, so I'm going to take her home. Yeah, I think it was the same. I can't really remember specifically, but I think it was the same motivation is, you know, taking Kyung Hee uh, back to Korea and just going back. And maybe she never thought about it. Like, why, beyond whatever conflict there might have been in Korea, if it was resolved, why she never went back. Um, maybe she just never really thought about it. Maybe she felt like, you know, I, everything I have is here. My family's here. 
everyone I love is here now. Is there a need for me to go back? And meeting with that woman kind of brought back some feelings and emotions that she felt, well, maybe it's worth it for me to go back for those types of things, you know, for that emotional, to feel emotion, to feel whole again. I don't know, to, to get something that you don't even know that you're going to get until you get there. And maybe Kung, uh, Kung Hee, if I'm saying that name correctly, maybe her death mattered for that too, because she had been taking care of her. So when she died, Sunja had like no responsibilities. Like, you know, her kids are grown. She didn't have anything that she had to then take care of. And so she had the time to go back. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have to think about that lady some more. Cause I, I do think some of that, I think some of that showing up for her was about telling some folks off. <laughs> so is there anything else before we end episode? I don't think so. You know, it's, it, it happens to me often where after I'm gone, I'm like, oh, wait, I forgot to say that. I took notes and I'm, I've am i already gone over all my notes. And I think I'm, I'm done, but I'm afraid we're missing something and I don't know what it is. I'm going to go look up Isak, um, the, the actor who plays Isak. Because <laughs> he's handsome. Yeah, I, so. I think he's handsome too. I don't know what it is about him, but I like his face posted his page on our stories and in Instagram because ah. I dug him up and found him. So oh. of course. Of course. Sung Ray saves the day. Go on, Sung Ray. <laughs> if you find a pillow with his face on it, you let me know. Breakout. Breakout star. We'd be like seeing him on his own show and stuff, you know. That would be nice. That would be nice. Anyway, so we can go on and end this episode. I hope everyone enjoyed it and enjoyed how crazy we are. We are Black Girl Soul with special guest Natasha. I am something else and Song Gray. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Black Girl Soul. We enjoyed having you, and please subscribe, like, and follow our Facebook page, YouTube channel, Twitter page, Instagram page, and join our Facebook group. You can also find us on Patreon. Please look below for links. See you guys next week.